Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Wednesday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. It is Ryan Buchanan finally in his normal in-season slot as we are one week into the college football season for you. You know, I told you guys uh, probably multiple times throughout the uh, whatever iteration of this podcast we've had for the last couple of years that uh, I never want to be the smartest guy on a podcast because uh, I think that would make for a pretty boring podcast, if I do say so myself. And uh, this might be the greatest example of them all. Ryan Buchanan joined for about an hour to discuss Jackson Dart's performance on Saturday and also what he thinks of this strategy Kiffin is employing regarding one guy gets each start, right? You got Luke Altmyer starting this weekend against Central Arkansas. Jackson Dart started last weekend against Troy uh, with both being sprinkled in when they're not starting in the other game in between. Um, Buchanan loves it. I won't I mean, look, I'm not spoiling anything by that. And it was very interesting to hear from a guy who's been through a quarterback competition himself, you know, whatever you might think of, you know, the result of it and Chad Kelly going on to become, you know, one of the greatest players in Ole Miss history. Uh, Buchanan was still in there every day and competing through camp and trying to earn an opportunity to win the starting job of a team that had serious expectations like this one. And it was very interesting listening to him talk about why he thinks this is a great way to do things and uh, kind of in a way kind of wish he'd had the similar thing. And I was just very, uh, you know, whether you agree, disagree with the strategy of all of this, um, I would encourage you to listen to this with an open mind um, from someone that's kind of been there, done that, because I, I certainly learned a lot from it. So anyway, I uh, didn't mean to get too philosophical there. I just really found it fascinating. Um, in addition to the stuff that he pointed out that they're looking for, that just stuff that I would never think about and stuff that I me watching a game a second time on an ESPN broadcast would never pick up despite me thinking I'm doing my homework and all of that. So anyway, this is a great podcast. It's one of my favorites of the year. And so uh, I hope you guys will enjoy it as much as I did. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by MIMS Insurance. Matt MIMS, independent insurance agent based in Oxford. Matt MIMS wants to make insurance easy for you. Gas is expensive right now. Groceries are expensive. Literally everything's expensive. You don't want to lose money just because you don't know what the insurance process is like and how to go about it. It can be overwhelming. I get it. It's uh, it, You never know which provider to go with, which rate is the best. Matt Mims's entire job is to take all of that away and make things as easy as possible for you. He's an independent insurance agent, licensed anywhere in the state of Mississippi. He's based in Oxford, but he can t- service you anywhere in the Magnolia State. All you got to do is give him a call, and whatever it is that you need insured, it's a house, life insurance, a boat. If it's a boat, congrats on your boat. That's pretty sick. Um, whatever it is that you may need insured, he's going to get that taken care of for you. You call him at 601-218-7854. You tell him the deal. He shops around a quote with 10 different insurance agencies, and his entire job is to get you the best possible quote. Then you sign up, and boom, you're insured. No headaches, no hassle. That's it. He's a good buddy of mine. He's an old Miss guy. Do uh, business with a fellow rebel if you're so inclined. Wouldn't send you to someone I don't trust. A great dude, a sharp guy, and is going to make insurance easy for you. Check him out. Mims Insurance there in Oxford. 
And uh, Ryan Buchanan is brought to you by Mims Insurance. You wouldn't get this great insight without it. So check him out, Matt Mims at Mims Insurance. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Skybox, survive in advance, it sounded like this week. I believe four and three through Saturday. Um, winning record, had a couple of tough luck on some uh, Georgia State block punts, some weird over-under stuff. But, hey, that's the difference between, you know, you losing your ass the first week and Skybox still leading you to a winning record. They are the professionals. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range month-long, season-long. We got NFL coming up on Thursday. College football is in full swing. You're going to want to go check out my guys at Skybox because they are the only way to profit in the long run. You are going to end up in a hole. You are going to end up regretting the fact that you ever opened an account with said bookie or whatever it is you do, wherever it is, in the long run without Skybox. Let them guide you to consistent profit and let them make you money and enjoy this football season as you wager on it and make some supplementary income as opposed to the man texting you every single Sunday night asking if you can square up for the ninth week in a row. You need to check them out. Use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, for 20% off. You can try it for a week, month, day, whatever, season long. You can go all sports, sports-centric. Whatever's in your wheelhouse, go to skyboxsportspicks.com, click on the Packages tab, and select whatever it is that you think fits your price range and enjoy the profit, and we'll give you a little bit of a discount. Try the promo code RIPPY, you get 20% off. All right, here is our guy, Ryan Buchanan, on the Ole Miss quarterback competition, Dart's performance, and what he thinks of this one-start-each system. All right, he's just one of three men living to defeat Jackson Academy twice in a season, according to Elias Sports Bureau. We're really running low there. It is former Ole Miss quarterback Ryan Buchanan. What a week one of football. We got a lot to talk about. We'll get, obviously get into Ole Miss's, uh, Ole Miss's 28 to 10 win over Troy, uh, some craziness around the SEC. And obviously, as this podcast is uh, specific, like uh, your expertise is uh, quarterback play. Reminder this is brought to you by uh, our good friend Matt Mims at Mims Insurance. Go check him out there, independent insurance agent based in Oxford. What's up, dude? How was the weekend? Hey, I guess references to keep coming up with. Um, but no, it was good. It was, was in Oxford. Um, enjoyed the game. Was happy to be in the Grove. Uh, excited for a late game, you know, this coming weekend. It's going to be nice. Um, I know I've, I heard the feedback uh, from the students. They lasted about a quarter or two in the 100-degree heat, uh, blaring down on them. So I feel like we may have a little bit more of a home presence having the 630 kickoff this week. Yeah, people are trying to shame the students for that. I actually just like I actually made a comment on that on Twitter, which always turns out well. But I was someone was like trying to crowd shame him in the second half. And I was like, I mean, you were there. I wasn't. But I could tell the temperature. It's like 100 degrees outside. The second half was a complete snoozer. Like I would have hit the bar, too. And honestly, the people left that had not gone to the square. I'd have been like, what's your issue? Like, what, what's wrong with you? Um, so I'm not huge into like student shaming. I so you clear, did you ever sit up there for your last year? So I started covering football full time towards the end of my junior year and starting a senior year. So I actually never have never sat there, but it doesn't take a genius to look at it. It looks horrible. It looks like an absolute microwave. Um, I'm just, I'm not into the student shaming because of that. No, I'm not either. I mean, and it's hot. You can't say <laughs> that when you're sitting inside your box or you're in the South end zone in the shade. I mean, I, uh, I think I did 
like a quarter or two there. That was it. And then uh, someone gave me a ticket to somewhere else in the stadium. And, and, and uh, I, yeah, I think I went up there for like a night game. I mean, I, like the games I was there uh, my last year was like two games at night. I mean, that was about it. Uh, you know, when we had these 11 a.m. games, you, wanna, you weren't going to find me there. Like, I just, I mean, I would I'd rather be on the football field playing for different reasons or not. So I was like, I'll, I'll pass on the 105 degrees. Yeah, it really is. And like, I mean, it's one thing for it to be hot, but there's also no covering and it's all metal bleachers. So like what you're sitting in is actually just cranking up at the temperature on you, which I imagine is a, uh, a tough deal, but uh, be that as it may, it looked like a pretty decent crowd to start the game as a whole. Um, I thought Ole Miss started the game pretty well. This was a weird game and there's, you know, a lot of times with these um, non-conference cupcakes or in the game, it, it makes for honestly a little bit difficult podcasting because they're not a ton to talk about. This was not the case. There was a lot of really interesting stuff that happened in this game. And, you know, as we kind of specialize on this show and this content item, let's just start right there at the quarterback play. Jackson Dart gets the start. He fit, His numbers are not going to blow anyone away. We'll put it that way um, to uh, – his finishing line I had it in front of me earlier I think he went like 11 to 16 or something for 154 a pick and a touchdown um nothing earth shattering there I thought he did some good things he did some bad things we'll just start there from your vantage point how did you think Jackson Dart did in his first outing as an Ole Miss Rebel yeah um I don't think he played that bad I don't think he played that great um or or what he's capable of uh I was fortunate enough that John gave me a ticket so I was able to sit up pretty high in the south end zone just to see from a north and south standpoint. Like, it's pretty cool if you get up there. You, you know, knowing on down in distance and what type of up-speed offense, no matter whose it is, typically you're going to have uh, everything. The safeties tell you everything. If you have a safety comes down the boundary, your defensive backs knows he can't get beat deep, which means that usually if you have a first and 10 or first or second down, you have a hitch associated with, a you know, a read option. Um, a couple of those, I was, I felt pretty, I was pretty cool. I pointed that out. I was like, he's got to hit that in the boundary. He gave up on the run, hit a five yard hitch or six yard gain, like perfect, like good read like that. You, you got to watch where your safeties are going. Um, if they're going to sit in a deep third or, you know, they're coming off the hash and that defensive back knows he, he you know, he, he doesn't have to get beat deep, then you need to run the run offense and which is what he did. Um, only thing just kind of watching, I know when we had, maybe it was like a third and eight, uh, we had a double post or we had a maybe it was a corner with a post on the backside. But it was a similar route, depending on which way you look at it. And we threw it in double coverage. It was really fortunate to not get picked. Got, I mean, it got batted down. But I, I don't think it was might have been. I think it was Mingo on the wide side of the field. So your safety took one of it was a deep corner. He went to that side. And if he waited a second longer and I do think he had time. It wasn't like a guy was in his face so like safety took to the left. He should have hit that backside post. Domingo, that was your one-on-one lay it out there. And he took the first one in double coverage and would have looked really, really bad in the first quarter if he threw an a ugly, you know, pick. And then especially one touchdown and two picks. Like, he got away with got away with that one. But then he came back and did pretty well. But at the same time, like, I'm just telling you from an Ole Miss standpoint and, and watching football and where the offense has really been over a couple of head coaches, we put over 200 yards on the ground. And that is so – understated I mean that that makes that's how you win football games um because you're look regardless of Luke or Jackson you're going to put up big points if, if you if a team respects a running game and Zach Evans clearly showed that I mean Jackson handed off the ball a lot now I, I think that's a little bit of playing nervous in the sense 
you have a tag or you have a hot route associated with that, that you can hit a guy on a quick seam route right behind a linebacker, you know, hit him at 10 yards. He runs for 20 kind of deal. Like, I don't think he's going to take those. So kept running it and running it, but look, we, man, our, our running game was, was great. Now, look, given that was Troy, but, uh, even when we played there with freeze, like it wasn't that dominant coming up. We might've put up 70 points. We weren't just getting six, seven yards of pop, which makes a quarterback's job a lot, lot easier. And especially when you have two new guys that are trying to find their way into an offense before going to the SEC and knowing you have, I think, and then even our backup running backs, this wasn't a Zach Evans show. It was so encouraging to see. I mean, I'm telling you, that's just going to open up these guys on the outside for these quarterbacks to succeed. It would have been really, really tough if he was getting stopped at the line of scrimmage and Jackson had to go against the defense that's dropping eight in coverage. I mean, there, you could have looked at more picks. You could have seen a lot of different things. Long story short, his uh, RPO that he had on the touchdown on the south end zone, classic RPO, safety bites down. Uh, supposedly, I think someone told me, play before he missed it. Kiffin ran it back again, saw the safety biting down, which is – he. Knew, I mean, I wish he saw that the first time and 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 – because you know what I mean, your coach is not always going to be there and say, hey, run this exact same play, take your eyes right here and make this throw. Now, given he did have to kind of throw back across his body due to the so a hand in his face, and it was an unbelievable athletic throw. Uh, but just from a mental standpoint, it been awesome to see that the first time and just be confident in doing that, which, look, it can come along, but that was kind of a throw that was like, man, this I can definitely see the talent with this guy. Um, now, look, to be honest, I mean – Call me whatever type of fan. When we were going up in the – it was third quarter, I was like, what, I guess 28-10. I mean, we went up pretty early. Went up 21 at half. I was like, you know, we were stalling through an interception. I was like, all right, we'll take care of this. It'll be 35, you know, seven or whatever, maybe turn into 42. And by the time I got to the square, I turned around, it's still at 28. And I'm like, what the – what happened? I mean, we have 200-plus yards on the ground. I mean, how can you not score when you have that working? Like – so I, look, it is what it is. Um, but uh, it, it was good. Like it was still, not, it wasn't horrible. But excited to see what Luke can do next week. Yeah, absolutely. And just to clarify what I said off the top, my uh, internet page died when I was looking at the stats. I think I said eleven to sixteen. Not even close. That was just a blind guess. It was eighteen to twenty-seven for one fifty-four and one. Right, that sounds a little bit more right. Like eleven sixteen doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I just say eighteen to twenty-seven. I just I was like, you know, what? we're gonna throw a guess out there while we pull this back up. Not even close, but that's okay. We'll keep it moving here on the uh, on the show. You hit a uh, you hit a uh, one about three or four really interesting points there, and I'll start with the fact where you're talking about making the correct read, that seemed to be a pretty, uh, for the limited opportunity that he got, is that seemed to be kind of the uh, hot topic. There were a couple of times, like you mentioned, that he made really good throws, and it really seemed like letting the offense come to him. You put it in way better terms than I possibly could have, but a couple of those hitch routes. I think there was a, a slant as well on the left side earlier in that game where that was just – Kiffin mentioned it after the game where it was just like, that was kind of the read. He didn't try to do too much on the other side. I don't remember what exactly they had going on there action wise, but he made some good decisions. And then he also made some bad decisions. The pick in the end zone are in the uh, pretty damn close to the end zone there in the second half. And then on the one where, and then the other one was missing the read right before the touchdown. So there was some good and some bad. And I feel like it didn't look as good as it maybe was at times. So I watched the game again on Sunday morning and I thought, you know, to the untrained eye like me, that's helpful to kind of be able to go back. And if you see a play that it's interesting, just click, you know, back and do it again and just kind of see what they were actually looking at versus commercials in a gajillion replays and, you know, 
beers and whatnot else is happening while you're watching the game the first time. And so I, I went, my point being, my second impression was like, this actually was not as bad as I thought. Like, I felt like the way they finished the game, the tone afterwards was pretty negative um, just because of the way they finished the game. But it really wasn't as bad. And I think you shed some light on it there. And I think the big thing was the second part you hit on, the running game. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for Dart or really either of the quarterbacks. We'll get to Luke in a second. His entire thing seeming like he got screwed up because of a pick and another turnover. But because of the way Troy was playing defense and because of the way Ole Miss was running the football, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity. Like, they went into halftime. I was like, oh, I didn't think Dart played bad, but I don't really know what to make. I didn't really see anything at all because they were just torching them on the ground. And you mentioned kind of what led to the lethargic piece of the second half. Kiffin said it kind of point blank afterwards. He's like, look, we could have kept running the football and scored 45 points on the guys. We could have scored on both of those red zone possessions running the football, but we wanted to kind of get some, like get some different looks in the passing game and try to build some confidence. And so it seemed like, I don't know if you can necessarily call it throwing into tougher looks, but the running game was there. They were just not using it despite it um, just to kind of get them some different looks. And I think that's when you saw things get bogged down. You know, he makes the two, at least the two poor decisions that stood out with missing it before the touchdown on the RPO. And then of course the pick, and then you're kind of left with the sour taste in your mouth, but you know, all in all, I feel like for fans too, cause we got a lot of this blowback. It's a lot different watching a fourth year Matt Corral versus a 19 year old kid trying to go out there and do it for the first time. And you know, you're someone that's been out there. Like how would you, how hard is it to describe just like the drop off between a rare talent like Corral and really anybody trying to replace his shoes in the first game. Yeah. I mean, look, this, let's go back to Matt a couple of years ago and let's, you know, let's go back to the LSU Arkansas game with six picks yeah. with multiple picks on a screen pass. That's nothing besides a terrible, horrible, awful decision when you just throw a screen pass at someone's feet, you know, and like, I hate bringing that back, but like, our version of Matt Corral is last year, and it's that's great. I mean, it's a great positive thing, but, again, this, this kid's 19. Matt might have been 21 last year. Um, but, man, I, I just respect the heck out of Lane, the way he's doing this. Um, almost jealous for it. Like, I wish I kind of had this opportunity to have. When you have leading, that's it's a different story. Um, I get that. But uh, the way he's going about it, let, I'm telling you, because that – Let's just say the normal thing happens. Ole Miss, you play a team like this. Whoever gets that first start, you run the ball, you throw a swing pass, tout to the side, and receiver makes a block. Guy goes for 45 yards. You literally just threw a ball eight, seven yards away, and you got a completion with a 45-yard gain or maybe a touchdown added to it. And you look at the end of the day, and it's like, oh, he completed 80% of his passes, like went 12 for 15, two touchdowns and zero picks. You're like, this guy's awesome. But in the day, like – we had 220-something yards on the ground. That sustained it. And Kiffin knew that is what I'm saying. And we could just pull him out in the third quarter and give Luke however many reps at the time. I'm just saying other ways to do it, but not really know or put Jackson in that situation to make a bad mistake to really see, oh, my gosh, I made the wrong read. What do I do? And he wasn't really faced that because of the ground game. And Kiffin's mature enough in his years of being a coach across the spectrum to say, you know, we're going to keep pushing this. And, and if you give a guy a full game, like regardless of what the fans see, they're getting, you know, today was film day. Maybe it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah today. So they did film today. And what they're watching is what we don't see. Like 
regardless of the down and distance, we just ran the ball with Zach Evans and he made a, a guy miss or someone missed a tackle because it was Troy. Well, he should have saw the quick slant or the hot route because that's what you got to hit against an SEC team to pop 15 yards off. And based off this coverage and, ba- you know, what they're doing, if your eyes were in the right place and you made the right read, that's what you should have done. To the fans, we had an eight-yard game, like awesome first down Ole Miss. But if you – the fact that he gave them a full game, they can review every single situation and truly see who can be a commander of this offense and give Luke the full game. He's confident in both guys. Both teams aren't strong between Central Arkansas and Troy. Both give each other time to settle down regardless of what happens. I mean, you know, again, luckily Jackson was fortunate enough to have all these yards on the ground, but I'm glad Kiffin kept trying to give him situations and and saw what he messed up on because if he just pulled him out at half up 21 points, it just – he never would have been there. We're like, oh, man, this guy's great. He's our feature. And you don't really get to see everything. So I, I appreciate the way he's doing it. I know he's going to make the right decision um, with it. And we have and the schedule so favorable to let him go about it this way. That example you keep using with the – maybe it's an RPO with the, the kind of the 10-yard seam route. I mean, in my mind, what you're describing is Evan Ingram and Bo Wallace time after time yeah. after time after time. And it's interesting because you you point out like what we can't see and what we don't know and that we being kind of the fans and media or whatever. I remember back in college just thinking, damn, that's always a nifty play call. Like they pulled it fast one on the defense, right? The linebackers come in, you dump it over the, to them and boom, it's a nice game. But what you're pointing out is, is that's actually Bo Wallace being very good at knowing what to look at within an offense to where you can hand it off, you can keep it, or you can dump that over the top. And it's more of a... I don't want to say an art, but more complicated and more of a sign of how well you know an offense and how well you're actually playing the position, how often you hit that and and making the correct read, right? Yeah, I mean, and not always. I mean, that that definitely can happen. It'd have to be a catch and throw. If you ever saw, like, we call it like a buck sweep, double slide, where a quarterback shuffles his feet, you're reading the end. Like, this is how we tortured Texas in 2013. We ran the same play. 15 times and scored like three times off of it. It was either Jeff Scott give it or then, or the defensive end could not contain them. Or then finally, I'll just defensive end finally was yelled at by their coach. All right. And I'm going to keep it up the middle as a quarterback. And then all of a sudden you pull it and then you hit the seam route. Cause they've been blocking the whole time on both of those, you know, runs. Well, then you pull it and you hit a quick seam to Evan. That's, that was a design play call. So you look seam and then not there. You check it back down to your third route, look inside, outside, back down to your swing route, which is the guy you just did a play action to. And uh, so you have, you have a lot of different ways or you fake the swing, you know, fake the, or you can send them in motion, fake the swing and then pump that and then hit the seam. So there's a lot of different like things you can do with that. Some are hot routes, some are reads, but you, your eyes, again, you need to see different looks than just the easy ones where they're biting down and biting down. So giving a guy a full game gets that opportunity to see the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, absolutely. And how hard – Kevin mentioned the other portion of that, and I uh, I mentioned this a second ago, but just kind of the uh, softer zone look that Troy was giving, which made the run so successful. I'm just curious, when you're in a game like that, whether you're trying to give two quarterbacks opportunities or not, say it's just one guy, doesn't matter – when you're trying to work on like that type, like passing game or something like that, despite the weird look the defense is giving you, like how di- is it, how much more difficult does that make it? Like, did y'all ever have a time like that where you're playing a a cupcake type team that you're supposed to beat or already beating the hell out of? You're trying to work on stuff, but they're not giving you looks defensively that are conducive to whatever it is you're trying to work on, but you're going to do it anyway because you need the reps. Like, how much more difficult does that make it? Just because. 
from listening to Kiffin talk both on Saturday and on Monday, he reiterated that twice. And that, clearly that's something that stuck out in his mind that, you know, hey, we were trying to do different things, even though that wasn't necessarily the read, say, if we were playing at Auburn or something like that. For a quarterback, play call or whatever, how much more difficult does that make it when, like, honest to God, the defense you're kicking the shit out of is just not cooperating? Yeah, I mean, I, and look, I didn't watch the fourth quarter. I don't know how much they were playing back or, or they sure. weren't respecting the run anymore. I'm not sure what it was. And they knew they got, you know, again, like they picked up, they were passing. But regardless, it really all comes back to film. You look at your first read, all right? You look to the boundary. That's not good leverage. All right, let's look across the middle to a crossing route. That looks a little too crowded in there. All right, let's look to my post curl fourth read. If it's there, let's say you don't throw it, you tuck it and you bail out of the pocket by the time that, you know, really your fourth read comes open. Well, you could have slid to the left to hit that post curl, but you bailed out of the pocket. Then it's a scramble drill, run to the sideline, complete it. But like, again, like it wasn't your first read that happened or your high low to the short side of the field. It's your fourth read, but how quick do your eyes get there? You go one, two, not there, not the middle, not there. All right, I'm checking my post curl, slap in the pocket, hit it, not there. Throw my swing route. Find my running back where he, he's out of the pocket, depending if it's a five-man or six-man protection. So you can see how how quick is it? Because like, what I'm saying is, like, they're not biting on the run. So sure. you, that's going to happen. Like, you're going to – they're going to have play calls like that. But what do you do, like, in that situation? Do you force it when you really can't see that post curl behind that tackle, you know, or are you late getting to him? A lot of guys hanging along on a route, and they're just going, is it going to come open? Is it going to come open? You're just hanging out there too long instead of moving your eyes or knowing which route to check on your backside. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's tough, but I mean, if you have, if you have receivers in there who actually know how to run the route, I mean, you'd be shocked in college. You have a guy that somewhat plays both way on second or third team and he's supposed to be on a post curl and he doesn't curl it up and that's your read and you throw it. You can, I mean, again, like you look stupid, but we kept most of our guys in there. Like we kept, we really, we played some of our good guys late, which is good because they gave the quarterback a good look. It wasn't like, just throwing someone in there who cannot remember a play. And the, the wide receiver coach knows this guy's an idiot. He can never remember <laughs> on two by two on the backside. It's always an over route and a post curl. Like that is uh, whatever we call it. That was always the case. And some guys seriously cannot do that. But um, I think it's good. I mean, yeah, you're not, you just got to, you can evaluate everything on film, regardless of what the fans see. Like Kevin can have a lot better conscious over who he's picking and who he's riding with by seeing a full game back, whatever that may be. On top of that, one of the things that I know a lot of the, um, a lot of like fans and stuff I saw afterward were, or I say this was kind of the book on dark uh, coming in is like, he sees one side of the field and that's kind of it. And that's obviously a symptom right. sometimes of a young quarterback. Now, one of the things when I was watching on Sunday and a lot of times when I was working on that story on Dart last week, I mean, look, I'm not actually going to be able to tell shit from YouTube, but just looking at YouTube, like mini games and stuff like that, trying to pick up as much as I can. It was a lot of looking at one side of the field, whether it's actually looking at one guy, I think I'd be blowing smoke to say if I actually knew that based on watching it on television, how just, did you notice any of that? It did look like there was some of that with Dart when he did play, but at the same time, I, I don't know if that's just you look at that side of the field because there's nothing going on really on the backside. I don't know if it's looking at one guy. I'm just curious from watching Dart and your initial impressions, did you see any of that at all? Because that was kind of the book on him a little bit coming out of school – or excuse me, coming out of USC. Yeah, um, it was hard to tell. I mean, I don't know what their offense is. There are sometimes like you'll have a backside post that's just to run a guy out. Like 
you, you know, there are routes that are called that you you don't look to. Your coach will literally tell you in film, like, we're just getting him away from these other two guys. Don't ever throw it to him. Like, that's not made for it. But there are times that you're running a route on the backside, um, and it should be there. I, I didn't really notice that much. Um, but I could see that happening easily in a young quarterback for sure. And that's that's another piece of this is that they just have such a long way to go. And you mentioned leaving the guys in receiver-wise. I think that's a product of two things. Is One, they need chemistry with these receivers. A lot of these receivers are new. Most all of them that played are new. Even exactly. the, the walk-on, Dayton Wade is new. I mean, Malik Heath is new. Jalen Robinson is new. Um, Watkins is new. I mean, keep going down the line. I think the one guy that surprised me that didn't play – was uh, Jalen Knox. I don't know what the deal is there. I didn't see it addressed in the press conference. But point being, other than Mingo, there was really no returners. I mean, even Trigg um, at, at tight end was new. Uh, you know, the one returner I figured might play actually entered the transfer portal on Thursday in um, Dennis Jackson. And so, you know, you mentioned the second and third team guy, um, you know, coming in the game and not knowing what to do. And the coach knows that, but you're just getting guys playing time. They had guys last year. I mean, Kiffin mentioned it at the Tennessee game. They had a couple of injuries, and they were so thin at receiver. That guy you're talking mm-hmm. about was, was coming in and playing in, like, real minutes, and he's just pissing off everyone yeah. on the sideline, but they have no one else to put out there. And so, one, it does seem like they're deeper at the position, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be immediately better, right? They need to understand and need to learn this anyway. And from the flip side of it, as you you know kind of talked about, whether it was the curl route or whatever – Kind of give us some light on how important it is for receivers, particularly in like zone coverage, to read things correctly to help out the quarterback. Yes, I mean, look, that's <laughs> that's got to be the case. I mean, I had a, uh, it was a, I guess, in New Mexico State. Like, I, I think I threw a pick six that game. It was so frustrating. And then look, it's one of those play calls. Like, we have a swing route. Chad throws it three times when he's playing uh, to the third quarter. I make come in or all the way through the third quarter, come in the fourth. They never stop it. Well, if I just threw it, the f- defensive end finally is like, we run it. They run it on us so much. You know, I, I even like during the full season, we've never thrown a backside slant on this because you're, you, they actually chop block a left tackle. Sorry, it's my fantasy draft going off on the side. That's uh, back to back week. I never mentioned it on the pod last week. I had a draft last week. You've got a draft this week. This has to be podcast history. I was surprised no one out there listening. We normally get people that comment if I have something in the background going. Not one person was like, how'd the fantasy draft go? So I'm a little disappointed, oh. but there we go. We pointed it out this time. How's the fantasy team? It's uh, it's pretty good. It's it's uh, my it's my number two league. So I, I I I can talk and look at it. The problem is when I go back to back, I'll make a pick and then I'm coming back and in the other pick, I was 11th pick over here. So I could uh, I can I'm really kind of messing up that last one. I made a pick with about 15 seconds left. So uh, there's that. But then, well, let me make a pick real quick. Uh, <laughs> This guy's just Real a one-of-a-kind talent. He's chopping uh, it up X and O right, we're good. football while drafting fantasy. There we go. All right, I'll be good. I'm good for like 30 minutes now. So, uh, anyways, it was back in New Mexico State. Talking about a receiver, didn't really know anything. Uh, DJ James was a guy that played cornerback freshman year, and then he put, tried to play wide receiver. Then he was like back at cornerback one week, and his head wasn't really all there for knowing any of our routes. Well, we threw three swing passes – First New Mexico State, they never stopped. It's really easy. Well, it finally happened that I saw the defensive end peel, which is a rare. So I said, all right, I got to go back and block. So you don't have much time, honestly. It's not really blocking. Like, it's screen. I mean, it's really – I mean, you know what I mean? You're screen to your front side, the back side. You just got to protect that 
you have double slants, <clears throat> but your outside slant, again, you don't have any blocking. You just get, you're going to protect that, that guy. You know that that guy's going to protect you. Like that all calls the receivers told, step in front of the ball, bat it down kind of deals, real quick slant. The quarterback takes his eyes here. If he makes a right read, he's got to come backside. That usually never happens, but it happened to me. DJ, like Laquan, I would, you would see on film, I've seen when Bo would throw it and it's completely covered, he would run to the ball, which high level guys do. They step into the ball to catch it instead of waiting on it because they feel pressure on the backside. DJ, DJ ran that and saw a guy, you know, come up and said, he backed off like, man, I, I ain't get in there. I'm out. And he just cut right in front of it. Uh, and it, whatever, it's a pick six, but like you're taught to just, dude. The quarterback's last option, he has no time. This is a screen pass. You've got it. It's a screen pass to the front side running back, but you'll hit the slant if the quarterback can take his eyes there quick enough and throw it where I wanted to. I led him like I was supposed to stop the route. He just, he just keep going at all costs. Like in front of it, he stopped running. The guy slid right in front, and it was like, whatever. you got to live with it. But if you know, like, that's a small thing. It's like, yeah, you knew the route, but you also know the concept of a route. At all. Like, there's no blocking for this quarterback. It's very rare he'll ever come backside. Like, he probably didn't think he was getting the ball, but I had to make that read because defensive end saw that play all, on the entire game. And it was, so I had to come backside. But what I'm saying is there could be situations like that in a game. You, you may not be the first wide receiver. You may be a very small chance that a quarterback has to come back to you in a situation but you got to know at all costs, I got to protect him here. Like, it's tough. So, it could, and anyways, I just think the more they get in, the better. Kiffin learned last year at Tennessee. I absolutely love him pushing the ball late. Let's put up at least 50 points this week. I mean, let's absolutely just keep throwing the ball. Like, keep going. If our run game's solid, all right, let, let's see the quarterbacks and wide receivers work live. So, Hope he does it. I know, like, I tell you from experience, it really helps. I've seen it on film, and, and it's good, not just for the quarterback, for the receivers as well. Last kind of thing on Dart before we get to how they're, like, handling the situation, as you alluded to a little bit a second ago. But there was some good stuff in there. I feel like I, I, I spent all of the Sunday podcast with uh, Michael Borky kind of talking about how it wasn't as bad as I thought. And, granted, that was about an hour after watching the game a second time. I was a little more – I won't say critical, but we harped a little bit on like what what you didn't see or what needed to be improved on. There was some ball placement stuff that I thought was pretty impressive. The throw he made to Heath in the end zone, like you mentioned, not only a good read, but it looked like it was a really, I think you described it as an athletic throw. There was a throw to Trigg was on, that, the, though, yeah. on the Trigg on the sideline is like a corner route that he really kind of dropped it in the bread basket over there. And, you know, I, from listening to quarterbacks talk through the years, that seems like a more kind of difficult um, you know, higher skill level throw, placing it, you know, over a defender's head in between the sideline or whatever, right into a guy's wheelhouse. That was pretty impressive. And so there was some good stuff as well. And like you, like you said earlier, like you can really see the talent with Dart. It's just the decision making and like the, the decision to force it. And he had the pick, he immediately is hitting his helmet. He knows what he's done. It's almost like the like the dog that you're training and you like, he finally starting to realize that I hey, can't piss in the house, but it still happened anyway, type of thing. I mean, Kiffin was pretty blunt about it in the post game. He's like, he knows what he did. I keep telling him throws like that. Don't work particularly not in this league. Like it was one of those, we were both on the same page. Not much probably needs to be said. I guess that's a good place to go with it. Kiffin was going to go with um, Altmaier after that but he's big on quarterback psyche and not having the last thing be a pick or the bad taste in the mouth. A little bit of Matt Corral. Dude, that's awesome. Like, that's a real thing. I mean, that's a I was gonna real, ask real what you thing. Think of that, that comes from an experienced coach hiring him. I mean, I would love – I mean, Freeze would just leave you. Like, I mean, he doesn't know. It wasn't <laughs> – take the parent. He doesn't know. He had no idea. He's never really been in that. Like, he, like Kevin's – that's a very real thing that I've learned. 
uh, from training quarterbacks and working with David Morris and the psyche of learning training NFL guys. And like Kiffin understands that that's a very real thing. Like whatever, you know, situation, you know, I've been in or whatever in the past, but like, that's a, that's a very real thing. And I'm glad he thinks that way. I mean, that's a, that's a mature coach. That's a guy who's been around a guy that's a good offensive mind. I mean, I think it's real smart. Yeah. And, and, and it's unfortunate in some sense that it works slightly to the detriment of Luke Altmeyer, but knowing the plan that's in place now, it makes right. sense. But that's what I'm saying. If the yeah. plan wasn't in place, I'd be like, man, that's tough. Like I, I, whether what's fair or not, it's college football. But like, if he had that plan in place, Dude, that's a solid. I mean, that's a strong mindset for him to feel comfortable with going in and doing that and trusting his team. Well, clearly saw something at camp that we can run the ball and win a football game. I mean, and uh, we're pretty sick at running back and our offensive line is a good run blocking team. Like I can kind of play with my quarterbacks here, one this week and one that week, because I, regardless, I can rely on a run game to win a football game, at least for right now. You know what I'm talking about? Like for these first four games. Yeah, you're right. And like, I thought, you know, it looked like we were actually going to see a little bit of like a substantial sample size of Luke until the pick happens. So that knocks it back one drive. And then the poor guy gets in and his first snap, I, I don't know if it's possible to fat a snap, like fatting a chip, but clearly one, the timing was off, but it looked like it went inside his left thigh, possibly clipped a butt cheek. I don't really know. And just immediately went like two feet sideways onto the ground. Like it was a goner oh, from the start. Like, so like that yeah. screwed everything up. And then that's really when the game got weird. And it's like, all right, what are we doing here? Which is unfortunate. But to your point, I missed all that. I'm, I was great. I was, I was walking to the square at that point. So I, I was, uh, I didn't get to, I didn't get to witness all that. We'll get back to Ryan Buchanan in just a second, though. But before we get to that, I wanted to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online therapy service proven to help you increase your mental state and increase your well-being as a whole. You can be matched with a licensed therapist in under 48 hours. You can go on camera, audio. You don't have to get in front of a camera or go in person if you don't want to see someone. Sometimes it just helps to talk to somebody. Look, we put gas in our cars. We rotate the tires. We take, check the oil change. Our brain is no different. Our cars wouldn't run very well if we didn't do those things. Our brain is no different. How you treat your brain affects how you live. Therapy is a foolproof system. BetterHelp is a foolproof system to help you feel better and help you live better as a result. You need to try it. If you're uh, feeling any sort of anxiety or just need someone to talk to, just sign up. You, again, you don't even have to go face-to-face -face in front of a camera. And uh, if you do, use the promo code MPW, and that'll get you 10% off. Check out our friends at BetterHelp.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see our man, Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, I'm typing up a newsletter in the wee hours of Tuesday night as we speak. You get a free newsletter from me three to five times a week, plus discounted meats. That's uh, rippywrights.substack.com. Once you sign up, show Greg, Greg proof of subscription, and you get a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Weather slowly but surely hopefully getting cooler. Football's on. Throw something on the grill outside. Go use that Rippy Wright special. Then go find your own favorites at LB's. Oxford's so lucky to have a butcher shop like LB's. It is absolutely delicious and a staple of the community. Lane train special, bacon wrap filet, all kinds of different cuts. I like the tri-tips. Filet burgers are delicious. Incredible sausages, different plates every day. You need to go check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see my man, Greg. He'll hook you up. All right. Back to Ryan Buchanan.
you you didn't miss much other than just like who was that snap to like did he think they were under center type of thing it was kind of strange and so let's just get right to it to what you hit on a little bit earlier you kind of gave the opinion that you do like this but this is I won't call it unprecedented because I don't know um but it was made popular by Jim Harbaugh in kind of a buffoonish press conference a couple weeks ago when he was asked about his starting quarterback they're going to start I forget the two kids they have up there but one guy's got to start this week other guys getting the start this coming week. Same thing as Ole Miss. He made some weird biblical reference that got made everything weird and kind of distracted from the fact that this is a very interesting strategy that I'm not sure we've seen done a ton. Maybe it's been done for a while and no one's just picked up on it. But Kiffin's doing the same thing. And so Luke Altmaier is going to get his start next week. Jackson Dart's going to play. I feel like we're going to see more of Dart than we saw Altmaier last week just because of circumstances and people may read too much into it, but be that as it may, what do you kind of think of the strategy? Like, is this something you had heard of when you were playing? I, I just, I, it's new to me and I find it interesting. I don't know what to think of it. It's absolutely new to me. When I heard it, someone told me this, they came across know, some message board or something, Neil or somebody said on rivals and they said, uh, yeah, well, Luke's actually going to play next week. And I was, and I remember thinking like, really like, that's awesome. Like that, that is, I had to evaluate somebody after knowing what I know and what I've been through and kind of knowing both of these guys' uh, athletic ability and their age and their experience. Uh, you know, they haven't started a full season out of school yet. So this is how you do it. I mean, again, we talked about during camp. I mean, I said everything's on a scrimmage. You can't – I mean, routes first air and one-on-ones, like you can make sick throws, but – you don't even see them half the time when you're sitting behind a line or you have a field missile blitz that you didn't pick up and you didn't know you had, you only had a five man protection instead of six, you know, like, you know, it's just not even the same thing. So you got to go live and see who can calm their brain down, know the offense, slide the protection, set yourself right and all those different things. And you're not given all the different looks until maybe late in the third quarter, which is when Jackson threw a pick. So when I heard that, I go, this is legit. Now, look, if we started off against a big national televised game or we had another big game week two, like that's a different. But the fact that you look at our schedule, we look at the age of these guys. If I could do it that way, that's how I would do it. Um, and I think you can – and look, week three, I don't know. But guess what? Regardless of what we see as fans, they're going to see everything on film. Like, again, an eight-yard positive run where they ran it five times in a row and they're not stopping and we're playing a weak team. You look on film and you go, look, you know what you should have done here. Or you, you know, okay, let's say you, it's third and seven. We, we don't, we just, we don't turn it over, but we don't convert. We end up bailing out of the pocket and we scramble and throw the ball away, you know, whatever. We punt the football. Well, you, did you not see that blitz? Did you not see the safeties rotate? That right there is an indicator. Or they're going to a certain front. Everybody's man on man. You give a five call. It means every, no slide. Everyone's part, you know, going together. Then you set your running back on the right side. If you think of blitzes coming from the short side or, or, or field side. And if you don't do those things, let's say if you just did that, man, your second read was wide open for a first down of 27 yards. We don't see that in the fans. I don't see that. I mean, I can't, I don't know, but, but I'm just saying when they get to film and you give a guy a full game, you're going to know darn well, you know, when you play these. SEC schools, you look at Alabama's front, and you go, you're you're just too erratic. You have too many things going on. You can't settle down. You don't know your your protection calls. Man, that's going to determine a winning a win or losing a game or a blowout. And both can make the throw, but who set the protection right? 
and who, who, who set everything in place. And what I'm saying is, given the full game by both of these guys, absolutely gives you that opportunity to review fairly on film. Yeah, and see, this is how I know you're making me smarter about this whole deal is that's exactly where I was going next. So Borky and I on Sunday were talking about this, and we weren't necessarily, I would say, critical or praising it either way. We were just kind of discussing both sides of it. And I would say, like, you know, from a fan's perspective, maybe the negative side is, well, how do you judge Central Arkansas versus Troy? Like, Troy's a pretty good Sunbelt program. They had some talent on that defense. Look, it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild for Summer on those guys over there. But it's certainly a different opponent than Central Arkansas. How do you gauge that? Like, right? How do you gauge the, like, you know, if how much success you're having running the ball week four, week prior? Whereas what you're getting at, and that's what I was going to go back to, but you beat me to it, which is great, is that's not what they're trying to do. What they're trying to do is get into a situation on Sunday or Monday, whatever the hell the film day is, like to your point, and see what we can't see. So it's not necessarily that the safeties for Central Arkansas are worse, less athletic right. than, right. than Troy. It's reading what's there and what they did, no matter how slow, no matter how fast, and what you see or didn't see is really what they're trying to get at and how they're going to determine this thing, correct? That, that's correct. So how quick do you sit on a like, – okay, like, look, you say you do everything right, and Troy was a little bit harder. You made the right protection – you're not sitting there waiting on your first, your high-low read right there. And that's where you see your first route – or I mean, your first read, second read. They kind of go hand-in-hand because they'll either be a high-low or be in the same general area. Um, how long are you sitting there and just looking at that and looking at that? Do you sit there for two and a half seconds? You should have known in one to one and a half second that leverage is not right. I'm moving on. How quick do your eyes move on? Let's say you set the protection right. Well, then that, that right guard just got beat because he's out, you know, tired in the third quarter. And Troy has a really athletic defensive lineman. So it's, again, better talent. And then you look up, you get sacked. Or, you know, I don't look up, but, like, he just blows a block on your backside or something. And you did – you really set everything you were supposed to, and you were making the right reads. You are getting ready to throw. Man, you kind of got – I want to say you look to the fans and may say they took a sack. Let's say Central Arkansas, you, like, you sit on that route. You sit there too long. You go to your third read. You, you made the wrong call, but then your offensive lineman picked you up because they're not they're a little bit slower, and he helped you out. Your running back made a great block for you to save you. And you throw after three seconds and three and a half seconds, and you finally hit a guy that's wide open. You're going to look like a hero to the stands. And look, for me watching, I don't know all that when I'm watching it, but I, I know at least when they get in film and how the coaches look at this, regardless, it said, how do you set the protection? How quick do you go through your reads based off what you were given? And what do you do when, when something breaks down? Um, again, like, even if things go great, you got lucky because someone helped you out. And they're not it's a, not as good of a team. Um, but whatever, you know, and look, it may be harder to judge. You may have a quick fade and Mingo just destroys a guy and you just catch it. Oh, sweet. First read, throw it. They gave me an easy coverage. That defensive back got mauled by him. Hey, like, look, you're looking in film. Hey, great throw there. Look, it's a, in the day, like coaches still are going to be like, wow, like he, that was a really, really good throw. But they're, you know what I mean? They also know that was kind of, that was a gimme. That was a gimme. Both guys can make that throw and should make that throw. So that's how they're going to look at it. But what I'm saying is you can't give a guy half, one half versus this team, and one half versus that team, or like two drives here or three drives here, then another guy, because there's no telling what looks you could get, you know? And then giving yourself two full games, regardless of who you play, uh, is the best way to evaluate, and I really think they'll, they'll do it clearly. 
one of the things you just hit on that I wanted to ask you a second ago was one of the, from watching the game the second time, again, semi halfway untrained eye here, a lot of the Jackson Dart throws that he had when they actually dropped back to pass, it didn't look like the pocket was clean. Like he, he had some, particularly on the left side, there were a couple of times where he had some pressure in his face and it made him move and it made him kind of not a lot of it wasn't a lot of like fully flushing out of the pocket, but shifting a lot and throwing off balance. It wasn't your kind of prototypical clean throw, but one of the things you've mentioned a couple of times is setting the protection. And for a unit that's supposedly what we think to be a really strong offensive line unit and for how well they were kind of running the ball. I know some of that had to do with the looks yeah. and the coverage. How much of – look, I'm not asking you to say how much of this happened on Saturday, but how much of it in a football game when you say setting the protection as a quarterback affects how clean that pocket ends up being versus the lineman getting just whipped, if that makes sense. Like how much of it is on the quarterback to kind of set you before the snap? What goes into that? Yeah, well, usually when you have – I can't always tell. It's almost like when a receiver runs a wrong route. Like most, I'm, at least I'm just telling you what we did under freeze for five sure. years. We slid right. With a five-man call, we slid left with a five-man call, slid right with a six-man call, slid left with a six-man call. Which six man is your running back staying in the block? So your, your tackle knows – the five-man, like your tackle knows he's going to be one-on-one -on, -one on the outside and everyone else can slide right. If it's six, then he knows, hey, he can slide down. The running backs can take the edge pressure or whatever the edge pressure is. Um, that was it. And then, of course, a five-call, five, five call, which is there's a five-man front, everybody's man on. That was it. But you can slide the wrong way, and then there's a blitz. If someone's coming, usually it's when there's two guys coming off the edge and you're sliding the wrong way, you're not going to have enough men to block, and it's a free shot on the quarterback kind of deal, and he has to really get out real quick. That's sometimes a wrong protection. I want to always – like, if the tackle could sometimes hear in Death Valley, they can't hear – and it's unbelievable. Think how loud these stadiums yeah. are. And I'm saying Larry, Larry, Larry – he, he doesn't hear that too, you know, can't hear all that. That's why he walked down the line and he doesn't know it's five or six or he's taking edge or there's a running back there or not. So that could be the case too. Um, but usually it's when you can tell there's a blitz um, and it's not picked up and a running back's in there, usually slid the wrong way. But look, it, it's, I mean, Brian Scott, it really depends. I wish I could say it's one or the other. Um, but if you have a pretty decent line, you can see from a fan standpoint, the defensive end just whoops a tackle and gets to the inside on the backside, on your backside of a quarterback, like that's not really his fault. You can tell when it was a one-on-one -on -one matchup and they kind of messed it up. Yeah, no, that was exactly what I was asking. It wasn't necessarily one or the other thing. I'm just curious. Like, I didn't know what all went into that, um, which made me think, here's a great question. So, like, you're talking about, like, a six-man protection, five-man protection, all that. With the language that goes into football, obviously it's your guys' job, and I'm halfway tongue-in-cheek here, but with just the amount of plays, the amount of different stuff, have you ever gotten over a snap as a quarterback and been like, wait a minute, what the fuck did we just call? What do we like just blanked and been like, hey, what's going on here? Because there's so much stuff happening one time. Has that ever happened to you where you're just like, wait a minute, what what was this again? Like, we're about to snap. No, this dude, totally that's, definitely, look, that's definitely happened. It's definitely happened. He's still complete a pass on it. I mean, but really? told me that's happened before. It's a lot going on. Like, you could have gotten your bell rung. If I had one time my bell rung and, and my eyes are spinning. And you're looking on the sideline, you're seeing 30 yards away, someone calling a right tray flex and all this movement. Your eyes are just, you know, going left or right. Yeah. Like, what in the world? And then it's and you can barely hear a thing. And you just got to know, like, based off the play call, like one hand signal means 
like you can't see because we're doing a podcast just one hand signal that was it that's a means a five-man route that means five different routes that means read the back linebacker that means it's a five-man protection because the running back's getting out and you gotta know what to do i'm gonna go opposite the mic and you got you know what i mean like it's just that one thing but uh yeah, I mean, I think that's happened. And then you just kind of look at the general area where you know your first read is if you don't remember the route or not. Look, guys are open, sweet, throw it. But I, I don't know. I don't know how rare that was. I know it's happened before. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's not too terribly uncommon. Probably probably less common in the NFL, I had to guess. Yeah, exactly. But that's like the stuff people don't think about in football, right? I mean, like I imagine someone listening to that right now is like, actually, that's super relatable where, like, you think about all this stuff that goes into football and what you don't think about is, well, you know, this guy just got his brain scrambled. There's 110,000 people yelling at him. He may have missed one part of his sign on the next play. And that may have been partially what went wrong, you know, in a play in a game, which is just kind of crazy, right? Because we like no one's like trained, particularly watching on TV to think about it that way. As we kind of wrap up with the quarterback stuff here before I get a couple of thoughts on like SEC stuff. With the way this is being handled, you're going to see Dart next week, but it's kind of Altmyer's game where this was Dart's game. It's impossible to know how they're going to make a decision based on everything we just discussed, right? It's their, it's what they're going to watch and film and what we don't see. But I'm just curious if, you know, putting yourself in their shoes, we talked about when a decision is made a couple of weeks ago. And I think we kind of went under the pre-sense that like, hey, it's probably going to happen before game one. What do you do if you're the other guy? Does this help the other guy when a decision is made? I won't say stay engaged because you've you've covered well, like, hey, you need to stay engaged. You're only one snap away. But just the other guy, if you're the guy that's not starting, say, week three at Georgia Tech, if they make that decision, do you think that makes it easier for them to kind of stay locked in and say, hey, this isn't final? Like, they made this decision, but we went two games in. This was pretty close. We're already three games in. They've actually seen what I can do in a game, like, this the plug could be pulled on Ross got absolutely Ross yeah. got absolutely I, I guarantee if I had more play if I had plays to push the football I had plays to actually yeah. try to score instead of run 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 like you know what a defense is doing almost like burning up a clock because I know what I and again you're not given the best looks to strike I've talked about it before take your medicine take your medicine it's like you're up by 35 it's kind of like they're not even giving you plays to succeed in those old situations but toward the end of the game you know what I mean and then you're all of a sudden like you're giving a full game you see how you manage the game you see how you know you're down in distance you know when you make the right decision in the red zone you know when you man I could have forced that but I'm glad I'm glad I didn't because you know that was kind of a tough tough window to fit in let's kick a field goal you see a quarterback's mentality and I would have loved to prove that because I've done it on scrimmages for the few times that I've had um but always was always better in a game. I was always better because I really knew the offense. I wouldn't ever just freak out and just, oh, I forgot this play. What do I do? Like, you know, I, I was very methodical about how I went about it. But also, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would I would go to, I would get after it when I would in the sense of like taking shots and stuff. But like, you need enough plays to really take those shots. You can't just say like, oh, right, I got a I got a couple throws here. I got two drives. Let me just try to throw one up and see if I can get lucky. Like, you don't really have those opportunities. A full game, you do. Um, so look, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely to keep them engaged for sure. It's because you're confident you got to show what you could do. I mean, cause I believe, I believe that both these guys can, I don't think you're not going to go through this game and go, man, like, I know I'm not as good as this guy. Like that's not going to happen. That, that, that's, that's not going to be the end result. It's going to be like, and I'm telling you, if something ever happened to them, like I would have felt so much way more confident as a backup 
if I got to actually start a game and know what I could do, I was never given an opportunity. I mean, hardly any practice or anything. Once you, you know, you go with Chad to game one, it was like, you're not even preparing to even try on this guy at all. I mean, like had no, I just didn't have an opportunity. And I mean, really to feel confident because I never played in a game and, and meaningful snaps that I really do wish that I had. Um, so, yeah, like I think it's going to both keep them confident, both think that they're an asset to the team and both confident and give the rest of the team confidence in them as well saying man yeah like I'm cool with either guy no matter what happens throughout the season it's just such a such an awesome way to go about it given our schedule and I think it's just it's genius bomb speaking of confidence I'd be remiss if I didn't at least get your thoughts as a quarterback on the running game you know this summer and I've, I've said this many times on this podcast but one of the things that stood out to me about like okay what could this Zach Evans kid actually be there are a couple people like multiple people that you talk to and people that like work in the industry or in hell in some case a couple of players at TCU wouldn't say stuff like, Oh yeah, he's really talented. They'd be like, yeah, he's the best running back I've seen in person or the best running back I've ever played with in person. And just like really like a next level of praise to where you're like, okay, wow. Like if enough people are saying this, that, you know, their job is not to just prop some guy up. Like this is pretty nuts. I could see it on display. I was impressed with both him and Judkins. And I thought Bennett for the limited sample size was good too, but focusing on Evans. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Is that just like, to me, I was just like, this is just looks different. Like the, the zero to 60 and the vision. Scott, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. When you come out of a cut, one, you can see a sharp cut. Like, did you get knocked by him a little bit? Like, did he slow you down or is it like a clean cut? And two, when you come off of that clean cut, let's say you're running outside on a sweep, you put the left, you know, whatever, your outside foot in the ground, you cut back. How quick do you generate speed to get north and south? I saw something that I haven't seen before. I mean, it was was awesome. It was enlightening. It was like another reason, like, how could these quarterbacks not be successful when you have the respect of a five-star like this guy doing this? I mean, seriously. And, you know, and I think our receivers, they're going to come along and we got – Trigger tight end, you got me and go like you're we're gonna be good there, but like having this mad respect on the ground, and it came both guys looked really good, but I did see that explosiveness of Zach that was just awesome. How quick you get north and south after a cut, yeah. And like coming off a year where Jerry on Ely, who was a good back in his own right, I think one of the knocks on him was a lot of times he was a little bit easier to bring down and he didn't always fall forward. Both of those guys, and I'm leaving Bennett out just because literally he only scaled two carries. We didn't see a ton of him, but whatever. That pile was going forward every single time with both of those guys. I mean, Kiffin asked Judkins, I think, if something to the effect of, are you pissed at the entire state of Alabama? Because um, Auburn and Alabama kind of passed on that kid. Both of those guys, not only the quickness and the vision, but like they get hit and at the point of collision – you could pretty much add three yards and it's going to get a hell of a lot tougher than Troy. But that was another thing that stuck out to me where it was like, damn, both of these dudes fall forward for three and four yards, which is, makes a hell of a difference in the, over the course of a game. Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, it's, it's, we have play calls that are uh, third and one to three, third and four to six, third and six to eight, third and like nine through 14. So let's just think of your yards after you get hit. Like that extra three changes your play call on a ton. I mean, especially getting into field goal range, like those extra three yards are big too. Um, So, yeah, like it was pretty – it's a very big deal. And, too, like you want to – hopefully when you're playing these first four games before you see Will Anderson's freak body hit you that (laughs) – 
yeah, you may not fall forward on Will, but like you're not just going to be an easy one-arm tackle. Like if you, you hopefully need to show that here before you go into these SEC, you know, these stronger guys. Last thing on this, do you think that changes anything? Look, with these, we talked about these two guys being the inverse of each other and them trying to get Dart to tone it down with kind of the risk-taking and decision-making and not even just based off this game alone. Do you think him seeing what they have at running back and Evans and Bentley and Judkins, do you think anything about that will change? Not the way he pr- approaches playing quarterback, but will help him along with like the, hey, I don't really have to take these risks. Like we can hand it to this guy and get seven on second and 10 if it has to be the case. It's awesome. I mean, look, it's it's great. And at the end of the day, like they're really, I, I don't think this goes through their head. I mean, I think you should be programmed and it's like the quarterback's never going to be away. Like, well, I'm, I'm just going to take, look, you're going to take like, the, what they give you. If I look yeah. out there, I know every single time I'm looking at the boundary, I know I have a hitch route. I know that safety looks like he's walking to the middle of the field. I'm pulling that ball and I'm throwing that hitch route. Not because I'm greedy, because I'm trained like a robot to run this. Like, well, you know, obviously if it's not, it's a little unsure, probably not, but I'm not thinking, wow, we've really been running it well. I'm going to keep running it. Like the second, yeah, I do that. But the second they give you that look, that's when you throw that quick hitch. It's an open field tackle. You make one miss. I remember DK did that. Makes one guy miss and goes 50 yards touchdown. That, you know, he ran, he ran it, not because he's like, well, we're doing good on the game, but they finally had to adjust, put another guy in the box. The defensive back had to back off the wide receiver. Boom. Take it right there. Not because I'm greedy, not because like, well, I'm going to trust our running game. We're doing good. I know, what the, I know what I'm supposed to do in this situation based off what they're giving me. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out this weekend, and I think we'll probably have some sort of decision by the Georgia Tech game. But how is Kiffin said in his Monday press conference, like we don't even know if it's going to be the right decision then if we make it then. Like we're wrong on this stuff all, all the time. Kind of looking around the SEC real quick before we get out of here. What a weekend of football. Incredible games from the backyard brawl on. I guess I'd be remiss if we didn't start with uh, Anthony Richardson at Florida. That was a hell of a uh, no. I was just as impressed with Cam Rising at Utah, too. What a tough son of a bitch, honestly. Like, that dude's just a baller. What did you think of that game and those two quarterbacks? I was actually watching some of that rerun for lunch today. I just couldn't believe that there's a – what conference is Utah? Are they, Mountain, are they Mountain West? Okay, Pac-12. Well, excuse me. Sorry, Pac-12. I mean, they're good. I mean, look, Utah's – he, I mean, great, but to go into Florida, just look at Florida's defense about line and linebackers, look at their physique, and you have running a power eye formation and a hammer running game. I remember thinking, I mean, look, it didn't work when we used that old Miss versus bigger SEC schools. That's why we went to the spread and why it was created. But then you have, I'm just saying, like a historical team like Utah lining against the Florida Gators and just pounding it down there, and that's their style of offense. It was like, which is a very respectful run game. It was pretty – just from a 30,000-foot level, seeing those two offenses, like, go back, you know, against each other, I was like – and, it, look, it worked to a degree. Like, I mean, Florida had that big stop, I think, on that fourth down in the end zone, which is a huge momentum change. It was 14-13. Uh, it was an awesome game. I mean, Utah is legit. I mean, they, 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 they went after the Gators. Um, and then Richardson is a heck of a quarterback. I mean, that, that dude – he's coming to his own in the sense of, like, he's been around – see him make smarter decisions. He is the physical freak that he was coming out of high school, the five-star, and it's it, it's showing pretty well. Yeah, and Dan Mullen decided to go with Emory Jones, which is uh, quite the decision for uh, Mr. Mullen. <laughs> I, just, 
I mean, that's the classic, like, that's another thing people don't think about in football is like, well, this guy does, you know, I was, I was guilty of it in the preseason. I was like, oh, I don't know about this Richardson guy. I'm kind of ready to see it. Like what, what's actually happening here. And, you know, Dan Mullen, who I'm not even saying is a bad football coach, guy won a lot of games in Mississippi State and for the most part's a pretty good coach, despite whatever you think about him as a uh, human being. But he didn't know how to use Anthony Richardson, clearly. And like Billy Napier does, and now he looks like a whole different guy. And like, you know, we all play the results here watching on television and all that, but it just so much more stuff goes into it. And now Jones, I think, is at Arizona State. And it's like, well, why in the hell would Mullen not play this guy? Cincinnati, Arkansas, another hell of a game. I was really impressed with Cincinnati. That was a, I know they lost, but like that was a real program moment to me. They lost a bunch off a playoff team last year. They go into Arkansas, play a pretty good game. They had a backbreaking turnover early that kind of put them seven points behind. And it seemed like they remained perpetually seven points behind. KJ Jefferson was awesome. And I, I guess I, this is just the praise KJ Jefferson corner again, because I have to do it every week. What a fun guy to watch play football. Whatever you think of him as a passer, he's gotten better at it. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, tackling a guy that's 6'6", 250 doesn't seem very fun. Dude, it's just watching when he starts taking off in the pocket. Like, my gosh, he is big. I can't imagine being on – I would love to be on the field with him in a pregame just to see how large he is. Um, yeah, look, he's throwing really well. Um Arkansas looked good, man. I mean, it looks like a multi-year starter with KJ and a guy that's seasoned in a sense that knows how to command an offense. And, hey, man, he's doing it. Arkansas is going to be legit. And then, again, a program moment for Cincinnati to come in here off the year they had last year to show up and fight like the way they did. That's hard to come off one of the program's highest moments and then turn around and fight like that in the SEC. And it's not a down Arkansas. I mean, it's a good Arkansas team, really hell of a good Arkansas team, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I mean, heck of a game to both of them. KJ is going to be a top SEC dude this year. About two minutes after Georgia, uh, Oregon kicked off, I took Oregon and Neil's picks plus 16. And about two minutes after the kickoff happened, I thought, oh man, I have just picked Bo Nix against Georgia with a Pac-12 offensive line instead of an SEC offensive line. This actually might not be the greatest idea I've ever had in the world. And boy, was it not. Ninth-year senior Stetson Bennett. I, I don't even know what to make of it, but the, the drop-off, like Georgia to me is in that Alabama air. It, like, I, I would like – I I interested in hearing what they lost because of the talent on the roster. With a veteran quarterback, I, I think any sort of, you know, one-year dip for Georgia is greatly exaggerated because you have a veteran quarterback and then just ridiculous athletes all over the field once again. It's uh, it's crazy to think that there's another room for an Alabama program in the country, much less uh, in the SEC. Uh, but if there is a conference to do it, it's the SEC. Um, man, they're unbelievable. And look, that's a thing to win. Like, don't have to have the five-star quarterback running a four-four-forty. You can have the mailman, but the mailman supported by NFL players, absolutely stacked around him in every position, and knows where to put the ball at the right time. And you know, you command a running game like that, and you make smart. I mean, look, you can have look, quarterbacks can have a good running game and then screw up the passing by still being stupid, by not being experienced because they don't set the right pass protection and they get abs- they get smoked and then they fumble in the pocket. Like again, five star can do that. But if the mailman he's been here a while, confident as crap, probably would have been harder for him at a school that had a lot less talent and new guys and trying to make crazy plays might not have fit him. Georgia, it's it's perfect for him. He's a guy they definitely should go with. So they're uh they're they're big time. I can't wait to see them play the bull the 
you know, the fake Bulldogs in, yeah. in uh, I don't know how many weeks that is, maybe three or four weeks. Uh, but yeah, anyways, they're, they're, they're absolutely legit. And I'm glad the Pac-12 share their true colors per usual. Last one, Florida State, LSU, a fun game. Wouldn't call it a great game. Yeah. I, I just like – so I, I don't know what you thought of it. One, I was a little bit impressed with Florida State. I didn't think they could block LSU, and they did. They were clearly able yeah. to. LSU was getting to the quarterback, but that the Travis or whatever his name is was mobile, and they had a pretty good game plan to combat it, it seemed like. But LSU was also wildly undisciplined in all three phases – defensive and special teams in particular what I really wanted to get at the game aside they went with uh Jaden Daniels from Arizona State over Nussmeyer the five-star kid from Flower Mound they had a 99-yard drive where that kid literally refused to throw the ball more than 12 yards down the field I get he's accurate I get he can run I get there's a reason he won the starting job but is that sustainable long term if you have a guy that just won't push the football down the field like that I don't know what well you I mean that was strange to me well the last drive is that makes total sense, dude. They're not letting anything behind them. True. If, if he threw one down the field, that's going in double coverage. Game's over. He just lost it. I mean, it's done. And it he's t- he took what the defense gave him. I liked seeing how calm he looked. He didn't look too erratic. I, I thought he, I didn't think he looked that bad. So I understand at least the 99-yard drive uh, of taking knowing the clock. You know, you can't throw it directly to the side like a little swing route, but a quick five and out, get to the sideline, get to the sideline, however you need to do it. Um, and I think he looked he looked pretty poised to be there. Florida State surprised the heck out of me. Um, and then I spit out my drink on the field goal, and that was about yeah. it. My God. Where have we seen I that? Mean, I mean, I bet, the, I bet every living room or wherever you watched it was just no one said anything for at least five seconds. Uh, my, oh, my, uh, my, uh, I was with Tyra Whitmore at my girlfriend's house in Fort Worth and we kind of had the same thing. I think he just goes, no way. And then there was about a 90 second silence where it was just like, all right, pour one out for the, uh, the, the LSU Tigers tickets are, if you had Kayshawn Butte on your team, would you give him the ball more than twice? I, I know football is a complicated game, but I'd have probably tried to do that a little more often. Yeah. It's uh, I, I trust that. I feel, I feel pretty, feel pretty good about that choice. Expert strategist Ryan Buchanan, uh, terrific stuff as always, man. I feel like this gave people a lot of really awesome insight that I don't think they would get elsewhere regarding what actually goes into this and what they're looking for. This was amazing. I can't wait for next week, my man, and uh, I'll see you this weekend. Awesome. All right, that was our show today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Ryan's insight, I thought, again, was incredible, not to blow too much smoke up this uh, up this is podcast proverbial butt, but I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot, and uh, – I'm really excited to have Buchanan on the show throughout the year because he just someone that's been in the room, someone that's played SEC football, played quarterback at a high level, just knows stuff that we don't. And we can try to pretend that we do and, you know, prognosticate and give our opinions, but we just don't really know it. Um, there's so there's such another level of watching this game um, that accompanies playing it. And it's uh, it's kind of nice to kind of pick someone's brain who has been at that level. So appreciate Ryan's time as always. I'm really looking forward to this season um, if this episode was any indication after week one. So we'll be back at it with uh, fresh cuts and something else awesome on Friday. Y'all have a great rest of your week, and we will uh, catch you on Friday.